0: We put up rules on the doors, um, and you know, because the state asked us to do that, and uh, nobody reads them, so, but we got them up there, hallelujah, amen, amen. so uh, the, the, I want to say this about, uh, on our mass board, we have been dealing with this for quite a while, and we've done a lot of research, and uh, we've actually talked to the uh, Texas State Department of Health, and they've said, "Look, these are guidelines. Uh, use your own sense. I mean, and if you want, if you need to wear a mask to feel comfortable, that's great. I mean, everybody's in a different place. But but the thing of it is, 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 that it's it's entirely up to you to decide. You know, if you want to sit next to to me and Carol, then fine. You do it at your own risk. Hallelujah. I mean, that's the way I look at that. So. Uh, <laughs> But 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 we decided that uh, with the Emmaus community, we decided that possibly we were living in a different paradigm than everyone else and that we weren't trying to be arrogant or trying to be, but we're not gonna let a virus stop the work of God. We need to, we've done that. I mean, you know, we did the thing the governor asked us to and we did it. We don't wanna be in rebellion, we've done that. He gave us a green light. Our president got on the deal and said, churches are reopened. If liquor stores can, are essential, then by God, churches are gonna be essential. And so here we are, come on. So you don't have to, you don't gotta come if you don't feel safe. We're gonna be on Facebook. We'll put these messages on Facebook and that's been a big thing for staggering how big that's gotten. But, uh, but, but the main thing I want you to know is is that uh, we're gonna use some sense. We have hand sanitizer at the front. I recommend you use it. You know what? Remember when your mother used to say, you need to wash your hands? Yeah. Hey, turns out that was really good advice, hallelujah, amen? <laughs> so maybe we should keep doing that. And so I don't know, I don't think we're going to even have as much influenza with all the habits we've changed about the way people wash and the way they are, care- are aware of things. So, so anyway, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go on with life. I'm, I'm ready. I am absolutely ready. Uh, Jackie Qualls said, look, if this is the way... If this, is, if this is the way I gotta live, all, all kind of caged up like this, just give me the virus and let me die. I wanna go on, hallelujah. So anyway, I'm excited about this word that the Lord has given me uh, uh, for you uh, and for our church. And uh, I wanna say one other thing too. I'd like to give a public acknowledgement and let's give a praise for Brother Adam and his ministry during this. Uh, <laughs> man, did he do a great job. Uh, I remember the first night he came home. The way we did that is I would record him here and I would take him home and he would come to my house and we would airdrop them from those of you that are not technical. uh, I wasn't before I met Adam, but now I understand all this. We would airdrop them from my computer to his and, and then I told him the first night, I said, this is your season. This is your season to shine. And so, uh, God has put you in a position here and boy, did he ever. And I want you to know this, he helped a lot of other churches and their technical people. He gave them advice, they would call him, they couldn't get their Facebook to run, Adam's the guy they would call. It's really his ministry and it's and he just did a, an anointed and a masterful job. Let's give God a praise one more time for him. Amen. I wanna to read to you from Ezekiel 37, verses one through 14 from the Jewish Bible. Stand if you would for the reading of the word. I just need to warn you a couple of things. There's a little Hebrew in here. The Hebrews, the word for Lord in Hebrew is Adonai, and the word for Lord God is Adonai Elohim. So don't get thrown off when I read this to you. Starting in verse one, Ezekiel the prophet said, the hand of the Lord Adonai came upon me and Adonai carried me by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. And he had me to pass by and all around them and there were so many bones lying in the valley that they were dry, they were very dry. And he asked me, human being, can these bones live? And I answered, Adonai Elohim, only you know that. And he said to me, then prophesy over these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Adonai has to say. To these bones, Adonai Elohim says, I will make breath enter in you and you will live. I will attach ligaments to you and make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you will live and you will know that I am Adonai. So I prophesied as I was ordered. And while I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and it was the bones coming together and each bone in its proper place. And as I watched, ligaments grew on them. Flesh appeared and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And next he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, human being, say to the breath that Adonai Elohim says, come from the four winds, breathe, and breathe on these slain so that they can live. So I prophesied as I was ordered, and the breath came into them, and they were alive. And they stood up on their feet, an exceedingly huge army. And then he said to me, human being, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And they are saying, our bones have dried up, our hope is gone, and we are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them that Adonai Elohim says, my people, I will open your graves I will make you get up out of your graves. I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am Adonai. And when I have opened your grave and made you to get up out of your grave, my people, I will put my spirit in you and you will be alive. And then I will place you in your own land and you will know that I Adonai have spoken it and that I have done it, says Adonai. My God, Had the blessing of the reading of the word you may be seated. There is a pattern here that is largely lost on a New Covenant believer because they don't spend enough time reading the book of Ezekiel. And I'm one of those. And the Lord revealed something to me in our Pentecost celebration and the day afterward that showed me a pattern of spiritual progression here. And Roger touched on it when he talked about we do a lot of the right things, but we don't do the things in the order that God has called us to do them and so we don't get the results that we're looking for. And so I wanna talk to you about this this pattern. The title of the message is When the Day of Pentecost Had Fully Come. One of the appointed times of God, as you know, we talked about this Thursday night, but the appointed times, the Moads of God, is the word he's used there. Leviticus 23, one and two, the Lord spoke to Moses, said, speak to the children and tell them these are these are the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim. These are my feasts. The word there for feast is mawad. In Genesis 1:14, when God was creating, during the creative process, he said, let there be light, let the, in the firmament and in the heavens to divide the day and the night and to let them be for the signs and the seasons, the word mawad again, for the days and the years. Both seasons and feasts are the same Hebrew word mawad. And mawad can best be interpreted as, as, as the appointed times of God. When God created, and this is buried and this is embedded, so when people get on me about the feast, I tell them all the time, I'm not trying to drag you back into Judaism because Judaism has nothing to do with it. He incorporated the feast before, at the moment of creation, God set up the stars and the planets. Think about this. This is the God I serve. He created the whole universe and he set the planets and the stars in certain rotations that were calculated to manifest specific signs like the star of Bethlehem on the day that Christ was born. All of these things. <clears throat> the universe is a giant timepiece. It's a, it's a precision clock. And when he created all of it, he created, he knew every problem we would face. He knew every plague that would break out. He, there is nothing new under the sun. It's all happened before. God knew that every with precision, he knew how he planned how everything would begin to unfold to point to the day of the redemption of his son. And they're marked by they're marked by the signs and the seasons, the appointed times of God. And this and the feast are part of these cycles. There are, a cycle is a, is in essence, a, there are cycles in nature and there are cycles in the spiritual. And a cycle, the cycles, the feast of God, the moads of God, the appointed times of God are designed to do one thing. See, the natural life is like standing on an escalator and not doing nothing that's going down. You ever been to the airport? Oh, I love those escalators. By the time you've run through DFW Airport because they changed gates on you at the last minute and you got 15 minutes, 15 minutes to completely on the other side of the airport, Man, when you hit that escalator, you just want to glide down that. If you just do nothing and you just get on an escalator and stand there, you descend. It takes you down, right? And what happens is the natural life does the same thing to you. It just It's like standing on an escalator, not doing anything. You think you're okay, but it's gradually, there's a current that's pulling you away from God. Can I get a witness out of somebody? As you get busier and busier and you get more preoccupied with natural stuff, it just seems like God gets more distant and more distant. And the feasts are designed to stop this spiritual uh, degradation. They're designed to break through your reality and bring you back in the presence of God again. And, to, and, to, and, to, and to the antidote for this spiritual decline that we would all experience if we didn't come to church, if we didn't get our lives synced up. Listen to me now. You've got to get your life synced up with the cycles. Say, I'm in a cycle. The cycles are designed to keep God present and keep you involved in what he's doing. There was a dying man. I'll never forget this as long as I live. I have a long story that I'm not gonna get into here, but the Lord sent me to witness to a dying man. And, and uh, he was a friend of my dad's. I went to, to see him and uh, I was gonna lead him to the Lord. I was, when he told me he had a daughter that was a missionary, I thought, well, you know, somebody's probably already beat me to the punch here. I mean, hallelujah. I mean, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. Oh, I found out later what I was doing there. But this is where, these are his dying words. Listen, you want to find out something about life, ask a man who's about to leave it. He can tell you a whole lot and give you a lot of perspective on what's really important in life. And these are his dying words, and I'll never forget it. He just said this out of the blue. He said, you always remember that all of life is a cycle. The oceans are on a cycle. The stars and the moon are on a cycle. Your wife is on a cycle. He actually said that. Everything is on a cycle. And if you fight the cyclical trend, he was a businessman and a cattleman, if you fight the cyclical trend, it'll chew you up every time. You have to recognize what cycle you're in and you have to stay in sync with it. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Spiritually, we're in exactly the same place. We're in this cycle and this cycle is taking us and drawing us to a place that is different and better than where we are. Ecclesiastes 1, 9, and 10 validates what my father's friend said. He said, that which has been is what will be and that which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. This ain't the first pandemic. I hate to say it. Matt G. Filler says it's the best one. He said, it's the best pandemic I've ever been through, but it's not the first one. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new? It's already been in the ancient times as before us. And so as we've been talking a lot about this new era of God's glory that we're entering into. The deal is, it's not really new. It's just so old it feels new to us. Come on, somebody. It's Acts 2. What you're about to witness in your lifetime and the generation, the generation that has been through all of this stuff and all of this shaking and all this, the this disheaval in our country and in the world is gonna watch as the Acts 2 church rises again. Silver and gold may I not have, but what I have I give you now, I rise and walk. There's gonna be the anointing to heal, to save, to make new, to speak, to prophesy, to change. Not to accept, but to change. Oh, this world's a terrible place. It's a place of great injustice. George Floyd was a great, great missionary to the inner cities of our nation. He won lots and lots of gang members to the Lord. He was killed by a cop. That's not justice. But you know what? I know where George is. And I know that uh, we have the ability to prophesy and to see things change. Burning buildings will not change anything. Can I get a witness out of somebody? That will not make it better. Prophesying under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, speaking to things, that's what will bring change. The Acts 2 church changed the world and brought Rome to its knees. And they didn't do it by burning buildings. They did it by speaking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They did it by laying hands on the sick and cleansing the leper and raising the dead. They did it by demonstrating the power of God. God said, go and touch them and heal them and then tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Man, we've got a church in America now that they won't even pray for the sick. I don't want them praying for me. I want, the ones, I want the ones that have had to depend on God to bring them through. Give me a missionary from Africa to pray for me when I get sick. There's a guy that's had to pray for God to keep him from being eaten by a lion. Dr. Stelsenbach with the Nazarene Missions. I loved him. He tell these great stories about Africa. I asked him, I got to know him, and I said, you know, <clears throat> the Nazarene church in America don't pray in tongues. What do you say about that? He said, son, when when a lion's chasing you in Africa, you learn how to pray in tongues real quick, hallelujah. (laughs) Ain't nobody there to tell you there's anything wrong with it. You don't know what else to do. You start praying. I thought that was a brilliant answer. Here's the deal. When we get tired of being prim and proper and start saying we need the fire of God to fall, we'll lay down all of this religious regulation and we'll just do whatever God prompts us to do. It's so old, it's brand new, this new era. It's the Acts 2 church. We're in that cycle. And we talked about the cycles, how the, the Sabbath cycle, the six day, the cycle of days. See, God God made the Sabbath holy and he made it important. He made it even a sign of the covenant at that time, the old covenant. He made it that way because he wants us to get in sync with the cycles. And so the seven day cycle is the Sabbath. The weekly cycle, Shavat is the Hebrew word for Pentecost, is the weeks. We talked about that Thursday. The smita cycles of years. America, when it turned from God, has been under the smita judgments all of this. Is what these children have been living through. America has been under the smita judgments all of this this past decade. Every smita year, there's been the catastrophe in our economic system. It changed. It changed on the blood moons. Remember the blood moons of the Passover when we came here. You guys remember that? And we went outside and we saw that there was a shift. There was a political shift. And the next thing you know, some crazy nut they gets to be president. He changes the whole direction. We recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel precisely on a jubilee year. We say, you know what? Prayer's coming back in the schools. If you want to pray, get to praying. We start to, to make changes and we start to put God back in our culture. We start to put judges on the Supreme Court that pray and believe in God and are good, solid Christian men. I don't know if they're baptized in the Holy Ghost. We can take care of that. If I get to Washington, I'll handle that. <laughs> Things begin to change. And we're living in that change in the usher of the new era that's so, so old, it's brand new. The Jubilee cycles, the seven smitas, the next year's a Jubilee. It's a 50-year cycle. <coughs> Excuse me. Jonathan Kahn has written a book called The Oracle. And he's taken the, sh- the Jubilee cycle and he's overlaid it over world history. It's the most fantastic book. And it's written like a novel. The Oracle is this old man up on a mountain and this young guy starts going up there and he starts asking him about you know stuff and why this happened this way. And it's, it's really a cool book, it's very well written. But you overlay the, the Jubilee cycle over the whole of human history. It syncs up perfectly. On jubilee years is when things happened in Israel and begin to happen in the world. God is in control. Isaiah 48 says this. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says this. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. And there's not another one like me. Declaring from the end from the beginning and the answer of times things that have not yet been done. Say, my counsel shall stand. I'm going to do my pleasure. I got a plan. It's going to unfold. Ain't nobody can stop it. Check the other gods and see if they can do that. Check the other gods and see if they released a document that was several thousand years old that describes exactly what you're going through today. Find out if they have a document like that in, 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 the, in, in the Quran. Find out if there's any of that in the Quran. Find out if there's any of that in the Hindu Veda. You just pick all these religious books. Find out if you can, see if you can find a God that told you thousands of years ago exactly what was gonna happen. There's not one except for this one. Amen. Except for this one. He says in, Prover- in uh, Proverbs 21, one said the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and it's like the river of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. Quit worrying about politics. God's gonna take care of that. Can I get a- you need to go vote. Yeah. You definitely need to go vote. Yeah. But don't sit around and wring your hands about politics. God is in, con- is in charge. He's gonna take care of it. Amen. So God is in charge of history and these cycles have governed the unfolding of history the Mawads of God, the historic markers, the first Pentecost, that's when the law was given on Mount Horeb, on Mount Sinai to Moses. It's been celebrated by the Jews for thousands of years. It's an important holy day to them. The Advents of Christ. Christ was born on the Feast of Trumpets. Amen? I'm not going to get into that, but I can, he wasn't on December 25th. He was born on the Feast of Trumpets. He was crucified on Passover. He was resurrected on first fruits. His spirit was given on Pentecost and then Pentecost had fully come. Then Pentecost had fully come. He'll come back and call his church to come back on trumpets. He'll conquer the Antichrist on the day of atonement and he'll set up his millennial reign and celebrate tabernacles. All of these important events to Christians occur on the appointed times. We need to get synced up, amen? So I wanna go, so, 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 so you have a working understanding of how important these dates are in these events. And I wanna to go, to, to go to Acts chapter two, to the upper room. What actually happened there? I mean, have you read that account and you know, it's talking about fire jumping from one person to the other and, and all of this stuff. And when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I didn't even, I felt some heat, but I didn't, you know, I didn't get burned up or not. I didn't see no flame anywhere. What exactly, how do you account for that? Well, I want you to look at it from the Hebraic perspective. Remember these Pentecost celebrations. These Peter and James and Paul, and, or not Paul, but John and all the other apostles had been going to these, these Pentecost celebrations all their childhood. They've been going. And, and, and in these Pentecost celebrations, what happens? Well, the rabbi stands up and he reads from Ezekiel chapter 1. Last Thursday night, while we were here in in synagogues all over the world, the rabbi had stood up and he read these words out of this vision of Ezekiel chapter one. It said, I looked, and there was a windy storm approaching from the north, and a huge cloud of flashing fire glowing brightly all around, with a color of gleaming amber. Within it was a fire, wind and fire. And with him was something that looked like fiery coals burning away torches as torches do and there was fire flashing here and there, and the living creatures from between them, and the fire had a brilliance, and out of the fire became lightning, and he described all these things he saw in this vision, and, and 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 the rabbis have taught for thousands of years, for thousands of years, this is the Ruach HaKodesh. This is the Holy Spirit. This is a coming of the Holy Spirit in a different form than we've ever seen before. They've taught that. And so when he came, when the Holy Spirit came, he did what they expected. And what did they say? What did they see? Turn to Acts two, verse one and two, Acts two. The festival of Shavuot arrived and the believers all gathered together in one place and suddenly there came a sound from the sky like the roar of a violent wind. Remember the wind? He saw the wind come from the north and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then they saw what looked like tongues of fire, which separated and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Rolach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and began to talk in different languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. So here's what I, I really believe this. I think that, that God conditions you through the feast to recognize the signs. I think that's part of the program is that you observe the feast and you get familiar with the signs and you hear the readings of of the teachers and you expect, you have an expectation. And so what do you expect out of this new era of glory when it manifests? You expect the acts to church. You expect the rushing wind. You expect all of these same things, but you expect to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. You expect to see supernatural manifestations of power don't you? That's because God has been trying to get you to cue in and watch for these things that are about to happen through the feast. So, they got what they expected. It was the book of Ezekiel that manifested. and They knew it was the fulfillment of Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. When God said to the prophet, he said, I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh. I'll give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and you will do them. You don't keep the law because you have to. You keep the law because you want to. You know, after I got saved, two things bizarre happened to me. I'd cry over a good steak. I don't know where all that emotion came from. I was just like sensitive all of a sudden. I've never been sensitive in my life. And I would worry about my behavior and about things that I was doing. I mean, you know, I've told this story a hundred times. You know, the the acid test for a cowboy is when a horse steps on your foot and if you don't cuss, I don't care how long you've been saved, that's when you cuss. I could cuss better better than any of them. I could give a horse a cussing that he would never forget, hallelujah, (laughs) or nobody else around me would forget it. And I still did that. After I got saved, listen to me, listen to me. I still did that after I got saved, but now it bothered me. The huckle dish. I had been something had come in me that had begin to make me worry about my behavior in certain areas, and I began to change. I remember the day that I got that cold Coors out of my refrigerator after a hot day, and sitting on my front porch, and the Lord said, "That's your last one, man." That was from the devil. Hallelujah! I knew. <laughs> I said, I, said, I said, Lord, I'll give money. I'll do whatever. We can't give up this. He said, no, you can't do what I'm calling you to do and drink because you're going to minister to a culture that's rampant with alcoholism and you've got to show them that you can live and have a good time and not drink. Amen. Why do I have to do that, Lord? Do I have to do that? So then I decided that all Christians had that, that all Christians had heard that same message and they had all quit drinking. And I went to a team roping with a good friend of mine. He was a veterinarian from Amarillo, a good brother. I love him. And uh, we entered a big, big team roping in Amarillo. I mean, in, in Albuquerque, it was the, the, the uh, championships. It was the finals. And uh, we go up there. He missed. I want that on the record. He missed. We went out. And uh, so he felt bad, so we decided to buy our dinner. So Carol and I, okay. Anyway, so so we went to a restaurant. He said, I know a great Mexican food restaurant in Albuquerque, it's a big place, cool, really cool place, packed. And so we go in there and sit down and, and, uh, and she says, what do you want to drink? You want something from the bar? And I go, no, iced tea. And he goes, I'll have a Coors. I said, Lord, did you hear what he said? <laughs> Lord, just talk to him. You need to say something to him, God. I'm just in, a, in, I'm going like, I'm looking at the menu, looking at all the Coors Light. They got regular Coors, they all kind of, you know, and I'm looking at all that and I'm going, he ordered one of those and you said, I can't have one. And here we are, he's supposed to be saved. I know why we got out of the first round now. He's not even really saved, hallelujah. God didn't tell him that. And he's as good a Christian brother as you will ever meet got a great heart, knows the word, loves God. But God didn't tell him that. See, he didn't get convicted about any of that because it was not a problem for him. Come on, somebody. See, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit of God, what he does is he begins to deal with you on an individual basis. This is what it says here, that my spirit will come in you and you will keep my judgments and my commandments because I'm inside of you and it bothers you when you don't do that. Can I get a witness? Am I the only one that's had this experience? And the key for the Christian is not to get condemned about all of this and just say, you know what, I missed it, God, forgive me, and start over and do it it a different way. I'll be glad when my ministry is no longer to cowboys and I can actually drink a Coors again, but I don't know if that's ever gonna happen. But anyway. I need to get off of that. I'm spending too much time on that point. Listen, so, so so that's what they recognized, this fulfillment. This was the fulfillment of, this is the progression, that the wind came, the fire came, the Spirit of God came and filled them, and then it was the fulfillment of Ezekiel 30, 20, 36, 26, and 27 in their mind. But if you go back to Ezekiel, let's go back to Ezekiel. If you got Ezekiel handled, go to Ezekiel 36. There's a pattern here. There's a pattern here. I want to show it to you. And we're going we're gonna to minister to you here in a minute. <coughs> in Ezekiel 36, starting, actually, let's start in verse, in verse 24. He said, I'll take you from among the nations and from all the countries and I'll return you to your own soil. God has a place for you. Hey, remember the song? There's a place for you. There is a place for you. God has a place for you. He has a location. He has a mountain. It's education or it's whatever it is. He has, there's a place that he's got a plan for you to, for, for, to begin to unfold, but you've got to get in the right place. God said, I'll bring you back and I'll put you on your own soil. And then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean, and I will cleanse you from all the uncleanness and from your idols. I think one of the things that this COVID crisis has done is helped all of us with our idols. Can I get a witness out of somebody? I didn't realize how much time I was spending watching sports until there wasn't any sports to watch. Hallelujah. I've become a lot better Bible student since they shut the NBA down, praise God. And I just wanna say this, if you think times are bad, just Just think about being an NBA owner and you just signed a contract with LeBron James for $135 million. How are you going to make that one good? Amen? Come on, somebody. I mean, it could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse. Cleanse you from your idols. I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit inside of you. I'll take the stony heart of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll change your heart and then I'll put my spirit inside of you and I'll cause you to live by my laws and respect my rulings. And you will live in the land that I gave your ancestors, your people, and I will be your God. So basically there's a progress, there's a spiritual progression that's embedded in this that we need to examine. There are four steps. There's four steps to fulfillment of your destiny in God. Number one, it all starts with repentance. It's what it says. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean and I'll cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols. Every great awakening in the history of the church started with repentance. I need to repent of distraction. You've got things you need to repent of. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wickedness, my people, not the guys at the bar, my people, and turn from their wickedness, I'll hear from heaven. and I'll I'll heal their land. It starts with repentance. The next step is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Once you repent and you say, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner, and you confess that and you say, then God says, okay, well, let me help you live different. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the ability to live beyond your capacity in your flesh. You can confess Jesus Christ. I believe he lived. I believe that he died for me and you can be saved and going to heaven and your life can be hell here because you don't have the power to live a different way that has come in you. The spirit has never come on you for power to give you the ability to live beyond the influences of your flesh. I see pastors. If I see a pastor who's having fallen into Uh, an indiscretion, you know, either with money or with a woman or whatever has happened. If I, every, in every case, in every case, if I look close, I find out he never got baptized in the Holy Ghost. He was faking it. He never experienced that. And so, but he had a love for Jesus and he had these gifts and and the church just stuck him right up there because he was a great preacher. I went to a Baptist church in Fort Worth with Carol's uncle one time and I saw a guy preaching. He didn't have a hair on his head. He didn't have no scar on his head like I have. He didn't have a hair on his head that was out of place and he had on about a $7,000 suit and that guy walked out of there and he preached a sermon and it was like a script from a movie and he never looked at his notes and he never stuttered and he never missed a word. I thought, I could never do that. I can't do that. I can't preach like that. You can't. He never cussed. How do you preach and you don't cuss once in a while? When I met Roger and Roger said he was a preacher, I go, hallelujah, I can do that because I guarantee you his language ain't much better than mine, praise God. <laughs> but he was, he was perfect. This guy was perfect. He was the picture of perfect. Oh, this was a huge church in North Richland Hills, rich part of town. Huge church, and a great church. I'm not, I know I love my, aunt, my, my wife's uncle. I loved him and he was uh, in the leadership there. And so, but then about six months later, they called him fooling around with his secretary. And I don't condemn him. I don't want you to understand. I want you to hear my heart. He never got baptized in the Holy Ghost. He had the gift. He had the love. He had the desire. What he didn't have is the empowerment to live different. You've got to be empowered to live differently. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. That's what Pentecost is all about. You can't follow Jesus if you don't become immersed in the Spirit of God. You can't follow him. So after you get the baptism, I'll put my Spirit within you. That's the second step. In Luke 24, 47 and 49, Jesus told his disciples, he said, I want you to preach repentance and remission of sins, that it should be preached in my name through all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem, And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you become endued with power from on high. Don't try to do it without the empowerment. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you shall receive power, he told his disciples, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You're not ready for the great commission. Matthew chapter 28, go you therefore to the world. Teach them to do the things that I've taught you to do. Baptize them into the reality of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You're not gonna be able to do that if you don't become fully immersed in his spirit. Holy Spirit, baptism is essential if you're gonna serve. That's the second step. First is, is whenever you repent and then you seek the baptism. The third one is to get in the right place. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You can want to serve God. Hey, how about this? Can you see me heading a big church ministry up in New York City? Oh, wouldn't that be a flop? That's not the land that God gave me. If you, there, are, there is somebody who I need, that needs to hear me today. You've been beating your head out against the wall trying to make it work, and nothing is working in because you're not in the right place you got to get in the right place before these things can begin to unfold in your life. How many of you ever spent time in the wrong church for very long? And you kept going because your husband wanted to go? Well, I'm not trying to get you in trouble, Richard. But anyway. And you kept going and you kept going and you knew it wasn't right? Does it mean it was a bad church? No, it doesn't mean it was a bad church. It meant it wasn't there for you. You weren't, you weren't in the right place. When you got in the right place, it just felt better. Come on, somebody. Get in the right place. Become immersed in the spirit and then get in the right place. And the final thing, and this is it. After you're in the right place, begin to prophesy. Learn the spiritual gift of prophecy. Roger just said something that was brilliant. I hope you didn't miss it. You can sow a seed, but if you don't prophesy over it, it's not ever gonna bear the fruit that you want it to. Once you act, you've got to begin to learn to speak and to prophesy. Remember that the, the, the multifaceted nature. What do I prophesy? You prophesy the words of the Lord. Thus Adonai says, and that's what you speak. Well, how do I know? He's not speaking to me. Well, try this. He spoke this. Go ahead and dig in here. Get in the prophetic word in here. Have him take you to a passage that says that, He'll give you land on your, rain on your land in its season and bless the work of your hands and you shall lend to many nations and not borrow. There's a prophetic word. Begin to speak that over your farm. Begin to speak that over your ministry that he'll bless the work of your hands. Find a prophetic word that God has uttered out of his mouth that's either been recorded here or one that you're hearing if you know you're hearing <clears> him. <throat> and begin to prophesy that into your situation. Once you've been through the step, the progression is repent. Become immersed in his spirit. Get where he wants you to be and then begin to prophesy. If you don't prophesy, you won't see the results. He told Ezekiel, he said, can these bones live? He took him to a valley of dry bones. that was exceedingly dry. Exceedingly dry. I've got things in my life that are exceedingly dry. I'm confessing that to you. I have things in my life that are exceedingly dry. And the Lord says, and I have given up on believing that they can live. Come on, somebody. And what God is saying is, speak the word of the Lord to them. And I spoke and prophesied as I was ordered, Ezekiel said, and then he heard a sound. He had to jump back. There was a rattling, a scary. Can these bones live? Only you know, Lord, only you know. What's translation? I don't have enough faith for that. I was speaking to somebody in here this morning. I don't have enough faith for that. Well, you know what? You don't gotta have faith. What you have to have is, is you have to speak the words and say the words that I'm saying, and faith will come. If you will say what God is saying and keep saying it in spite of, it's supposed to be 100 degrees for the next 10 days, and I'm prophesying to the clouds that it's gonna rain. Whatever you prophesy is gonna be opposite of what you're natural. Are you just gonna live by sight your whole life? Because if you're just gonna live by sight, you're not gonna get anything from the kingdom. But if you can take the word of God and form it into a prophetic statement and begin to speak to your circumstance, you will see it change. I guarantee are your money back. It's one of the one truths in life. I am absolutely convinced that if you learn to prophesy, to speak under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to your situation, it will change. As long as you're hearing from God and you say what he says, can these bones live? Only you know, Lord. He prophesied the bones began to rattle. He jumped back. But he said, they were just flesh and bone. No life. He said, prophesy to the breath. Boy. Prophesy to the Ruach Kudesh. Prophesy to the Holy Spirit. Prophesy and say, "Blow on this situation, Lord. Blow on it." Could be your finances, could be your ministry, could be you got a child off running, chasing drugs, running after the devil. Have you asked the Holy Spirit to blow on that thing and to bring it back to life? Come on, somebody. Well, we're entering into the age of the new era of God's glory where God's people are gonna learn the power of prophecy and they're gonna begin to speak to their situation. They're gonna begin to speak to the dry bones and they're gonna begin to rattle and come together. They're gonna begin to make changes and everybody's gonna notice because the graves have opened and you're coming out. That's what he said. He said, I'm gonna open your graves and you're gonna come out. You're gonna learn how to unleash the resurrection power into the natural realm in the healed land. That's gonna be what you're known for, is unleashing that. I got a word for the Lord from this church and here's what he says. This is what the Lord says to this church. Listen to me. He said, I have placed my spirit in you and now you're alive. I have placed you in this, your land and you will command it to live you're not gonna sit around and lament because it's dry. You're gonna begin to command your land to live. Then everyone will know that I have spoken it and that I have done it. I will be the one that will get the glory. When you're in the midst of a dry spell and they say 100 degrees for 10 days and no rain and you begin to prophesy to the clouds and you begin to see them form and you begin to see it rain, who's gonna get credit for that? Oh, the weatherman's going to try to steal it. He'll act like it was his plan all along. You know, those guys are great liars. Have you ever noticed that? They can miss a forecast by a mile, and they act like, no, that was you know, that was what I was saying all along. It won't work. God's going to be the one to get the credit. Let me tell you what. God needs the dry things in your life. He needs the dead things in your life, and he needs them because he wants to demonstrate to the world and the people that know you, and they know what you've been through. and they see the change. And they see that something is completely dead has begun to come back to life. It won't happen if you won't prophesy. If you're gonna let your emotions determine what comes out of your mouth, you will not get anything from God. Can I get a witness out of somebody? If you don't let the Spirit of God, this is what the gift of tongues is all about. It's about letting the Spirit of God take your mouth over. And if you will not let God begin to use your tongue to release and speak things, you're not gonna see those things happen in your life. I'm speaking this over this church and over this land. Thank you, Lord, that you give us rain in season. You bless the work of our hands so that we shall lend to many nations and we shall not borrow. We're gonna prosper in you. There is no drought. I thank you, God, that we speak to the clouds and we commanded to get in alignment with the word of God. And that is to bring rain and bring prosperity in our land. I speak to COVID virus and I command it to leave and go somewhere else. You can't stay here. You can't stay here because the spirit of the Lord reigns here. I speak to the generations that are raised up in this unjust world where they see tragic things happen on the news and they play them over and over and over again to stir up people's emotions. I pray that they are not moved by what they see, but they command and call forth the kingdom of God to manifest in their generation on this earth where there is no injustice. It won't happen if you don't prophesy. You can go through all the steps, but if you get to the final one and you don't speak to your situation, you can repent, receive the baptism, get in the right land. But if you don't prophesy to the dry bones in your life, This is the season that we're entering into, it's so old it's brand new. We call it the new era, it's not new because nothing new has happened under the sun. It's a cycle, everything is a cycle. This is the last cycle of anointing before the Lord comes back, I believe that. And this is the cycle of anointing where his church does great wonders and power. And it's gonna be out of little ministries, not big ones, Silver and gold have we none, but what we have, we give you a rise and walk. It's not going to be out of big international mega ministries. It's going to be out of small churches and small places that are led by fire-breathing pastors that believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. You're going to begin to see people healed. You're going to see people's circumstances changed, and it's going to be so crazy and abundant. The Bible says that the glory, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth the way the sea covers the seabed. How's that going to happen? They're going to see it in your life. They're going to see it in y'all's life. They're going to see it in your life. They're going to see the power of God manifesting in your circumstance because you had bones in your life that were dead and dry and now they're alive. Not if you won't prophesy to them. Not if you won't speak the word of the Lord to them. Not if you won't let the Holy Spirit take over your tongue and begin to speak and confess what he needs you to say because this is a crazy thing. The creative process with God is speaking. If you don't speak it, it won't happen. I think that there are a lot of things in all our lives that we need to speak over. Come on, somebody. That we need to prophesy to.